Greetings, Supergirl Radio listeners. This is Rebecca Johnson, and I just wanted to let everyone know that since the CW Supergirl will not be returning until January 15th, we've decided to take a break, too. After this episode, we'll return with brand new content in January. But until then, I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and for this episode of the podcast, I am joined by a very special guest. There's a new Supergirl tie-in book available titled Supergirl Age of Atlantis, and I'm going to ask its author, Joe Whittemore, about it. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, Joe. Thanks, Rebecca. Glad to be here. I am really excited about Supergirl Age of Atlantis because uh, I read it. I highly recommend it to our listeners. Um, I think it really captured the show and the, the voices of the characters. Um, so I'm very excited to talk to you about that book. But I was curious, before we get to <laughs> any Supergirl talk, uh, I was curious about um, how did you become interested in writing? Before before you got the chance to write a book about Supergirl, what made you want to be a writer? You know, and I've loved writing ever since I was a little kid because I love telling stories and then making people happy. Um, when I was in first grade, actually, I started a story about this girl and I named her Cassie because I thought it was the coolest name. And she woke up this one morning and there was an elephant outside her window. And I thought that was a just brilliant, inspired work because <laughs> I was like, who else would, you know, it's like, there's an elephant outside the window. Think of such a thing. No one else would have thought of this. And so I was typing away. And then one of my classmates walked up, you know, behind me and he said, Cassie's a stupid name. And it was my first critic. And, you know, at six years old, you do take it hard. So, yeah, I stopped writing that story, unfortunately. Um, looking back, I probably should have, you know, come up with the comeback man and said, your name's stupid or something. <laughs> but I didn't, unfortunately. So at some point, I'll probably have him crushed by an elephant in a future book. Well, that's, that's the power of being able to write stories. You can do whatever you want to with them. And I, I personally, I think Cassie's a cool name. And I think that that Dang. story, that story, I would read that story. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't know uh, <laughs> what the criticism is there. I don't buy it. Um, but yeah, that's that's awesome that it, it, you even had uh, a passion for it at an early age about wanting to imagine things and create things. I think that's really cool. Um, well, you've you've gone through your experience now. You've you've progressed on since that six year old. Uh, if if you were to give any advice to any of our listeners who wanted to be aspiring writers and wanted to get involved in that, uh, what, what would you uh, suggest that they practice or do? Or do, do you have any advice? Yeah, I mean, honestly, you just you have to keep writing. You have to keep working to tighten what you do. You have to be willing to accept that there might be some flaws and some opportunities to fix your work. Because when we all start out, you know, we all have that kind of American Idol opinion of ourselves where we think we're the best and everyone should listen to our voice and it's wonderful and, you know, just because our mom said it was. And then we realize, okay, maybe I'm not as good at this yet as I thought I was, but I can improve. And that's, a, that's also an important thing to remember is you can always improve. You, you know, there's always an opportunity for improvement. For sure. And I think the best American Idols know that. <laughs> the American Idol winners are yeah. the ones who do, who do that. For sure. That's that's great. 
that's great advice for anybody doing anything, especially creatively. Just um, keep working and, and keep uh, learning from your mistakes because um, sometimes mistakes are a great way to learn. Exactly. Uh, you had an interest in stories when, when you were a kid. Were there books that you were reading at that age that really sparked your imagination? Do you Did you have any favorite uh, book stories or genres that you were uh, engaged in reading? I actually had two kind of favorites. Um, I loved humor books. I still love humor books. But um, I, I did the whole thing, you know, as most girls do. I did the Judy Bloom, yeah. you know, books because I love those. And uh, Beverly Cleary and Lewis Sacker. And I remember reading Sideways Stories from Wayside School. I don't know if you've ever read that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a collection. Basically, it's a collection of all these stories from this uh, classroom. And all the students are unique, I'll say. <laughs> and so I remember reading those stories and go, this, this book is crazy. One of these kids is a dead rat. Oh, my God. Can they, <laughs> can they do that? And I remember I was one of those kids that, you know, everybody for the Judy Bloom books, they had different ones that they loved. And um, mine was one that was um, starring Sally J. Friedman as herself, which I don't think that's, you know, everybody's typical default Judy Bloom. But that one was mine because I was not Jewish and I didn't know any Jewish people, you know. And so I kind of, I was, I was fascinated by it because they talked about things I didn't know about, like sitting Shiva. And at the time when I, I mean, when you're, eight, nine years old, you don't learn a lot about concentration camps and things like that. So I'm just, I was fascinated reading this and you don't, you don't know a lot about segregation and, you know, having a colored train and a train for white people. And it's just, and cause I didn't live like that, you know, and I was just fascinated learning about all these things from the past and being exposed to this, this whole new terrain that I never knew about. So now uh, as an adult, we, we talked a little bit about uh, when you were a kid, what you were reading. Um, is, is there, because I, I, I'm, I'm always curious about uh, when people, like people will ask me, what's your favorite movie? And it's really hard to pick. Yeah. So I was wondering in terms of books, do you have a favorite book or do you just read as much as you can? I, um, I actually do. I mean, I do read as much as I can, but I do. Um, do, you, do you know um, Carval by Stephanie Garber? I don't. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. So it's uh, basically there's this, um, it's kind of like a carnival basically every year. And this girl has been writing letters to the guy that runs the whole show. She writes him a letter every year and is so excited about it and wishes that they would come to her island where her family lives and every year. And then finally, one year, she finds she gets an invitation for her and her family to go to the, to the show. And what ends up happening is her sister gets kidnapped mm. and put. And, and so that's kind of because every year um, it has a theme. And so the theme that year is is having to you know rescue people that have been taken from you, and so she has to go and save her sister. And so you get this in this, and again, it's one of these new terrain things where it's like this whole world I've never explored before. And you get to and you get to meet all these amazing characters, and the writing is just very lyrical, and the characters you know you fall in love with them, like they're so complex, and you you kind of cheer for all of them, even. And it's it, the, the the tail twists back and forth, and so you're never quite sure until the very end how things are going to turn out. Yeah, that sounds exciting. That sounds like a good mystery. Yeah. Well, and I'm also curious since I'm talking to a writer. I'm a I'm a self admitted uh, terrible writer myself. I, I can I, I can take pictures and shoot video, but I am not great with the written word. Um, so I was curious because we on Supergirl Radio talk a lot about story. We right. you know we analyze the 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 TV episodes, we uh, read comics and talk about those. And so we review what we think makes a good story, what makes good characters. So I was curious from a writing perspective, what do you think makes a good story? Uh, you know, I would say compelling characters are incredibly important because um, you need to have that complexity. And, depth. and that's that's true for both good and bad characters, for, for villains and for your protagonist. Um, because you need to feel if you're not invested in the characters, you don't really care how things turn out for them. So I think compelling characters are super important. Um, also a world that you want to live in, or at least immerse yourself in, because you're going to mean, especially with longer novels, you're going to be investing 300, 400 pages. And it has to be something where you feel like you could be at home there, or you feel like you could, you want to make a home there at least for, you know, even just for a couple hours. And then I, I think also it 
a story that you have to see through to the end. So a really good plot is important for story. Yeah, I, I find myself sometimes when I am watching a TV show and I'm like, I really don't care about these people. <laughs> that's the that's the moment where I take that show off of my DVR. So I think right, that's, yeah. I think that's a great great point. Like and a good example for something like that. Have you ever seen the show The Magicians? I haven't, but I've heard of it. Oh, it's one. It's very it's very dark. I mean, and it's based on um, a, a, a series of novels, but I believe it's currently on Sci-Fi, and so it's about. Um, it is like it's kind of about a magic school, but it's more like a magic college. Hmm. And so these kids are attending, and one girl doesn't get in, and so it's kind of like you're 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 watching multiple stories, or you're watching the characters that actually do get into the college, and them trying to master magic, and then she's on the outside, and there's kind of like um, a rebel magic group, if you will, where <laughs> they weren't allowed into the school, but they're still practicing magic and learning magic, and there's kind of a darkness coming for everybody mm. and so it's kind of like you you watch those characters band together and and battle the darkness so it's a, a, it's gritty and it's dark but it's the writing is wonderful and the characters are wonderful and the, the magical realism of the world is awesome well uh hearing you talk about that that seems right up my alley <laughs> yeah <laughs> i highly recommend it and I think, like, the first season is on Netflix already. All right. Well, yeah, I'll definitely put that in my queue. That hits all my buttons. Magic, uh, darkness versus light. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am into that. I will definitely be checking that out. Um, and so speaking of TV shows, um, I guess we could switch over and talk about some Supergirl. Um, so thank you for sharing about your, your background and, and what you think about writing. It's always interesting to learn how people get to where they are. Um, but, uh, since we are a podcast that talks about Supergirl, I'm excited to talk to you about the character. So, uh, everybody has their own personal stories of how they first heard about Supergirl or what, or why they decided to become a fan of Supergirl. So what, what is your personal history with the character of Supergirl? Yeah. So for me, it was through the first two shows set in the Arrowverse, which was of course Arrow and the Flash. And I loved those storylines so much. And so the writers and producers had done such a great jobs with those shows that it was kind of a logical progression to watch the next one, which was Supergirl when that one came out. So that, that was your first exposure to Supergirl was on the CW. But yeah. I mean, I'd had a, a brief, Ben, this is aging myself back in the eighties, you know, I had a brief flirtation with Supergirl because, um, Oh, and I, I can't remember the name of the woman that plays um, their mother, but oh, the actress, Helen Slater. Thank you, thank you, Helen Slater. She, you know, the original Supergirl. And there was a sticker book, and I was excited for the sticker book because Supergirl was this cool thing. I, I never got to see the movie, but I got the sticker book, and so I had all the Supergirl stickers, and that was technically my first introduction to Supergirl. But a more fluid, you know, knowing more about the character that was the super, the CW version of Supergirl. Do you know where that sticker book is? Is that long gone or do you still have, do you <laughs> it? Still have yeah, it, it is. Uh, yeah, I probably after I put the stickers in it, because it was one of those where you could put stickers and color. Oh, okay. And I was just, I couldn't be bothered with the coloring. I was like, eh. I did the stickers. That's enough work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really cool. I'm sure, I'm sure someone has a copy of it on eBay somewhere. Uh, if anybody's Probably. interested in, in uh, 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 collections and collector items. Uh, yeah. That's, that's really funny. Cause when I was a kid, uh, you know, Batman 89 came out and Dick Tracy, the movie with Warren Beatty came out and those are, you know, pretty, oh, yeah. pretty, pretty big movies. And so I had all the magazines and I, I got little collector cards and stuff like that. And when I, when I was uh, helping my mom move, I found my Batman 89 and Batman Returns cards. And so it's, it's just, it's just funny how that stuff from your childhood can sometimes pop back up and, and you see those things. So that's cool. A, a Supergirl sticker book. That's awesome. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's cool that, uh, the CW universe has expanded to uh, developing new new fans. You know, you you fell in love with the Flash and Absolutely. Arrow, and and Supergirl came along with that. So that's that's really awesome to hear. I'm I'm glad that that's been a positive positive experience for you in your TV watching. It also starts great role models for kids. You know, I mean, granted, the early years of Arrow are probably a little <laughs> a little bit too you know venge vengeful for small children but you know the flash is definitely something that's a good family show and so is supergirl they definitely have their own tones 
and, <laughs> and flavors and strong suits. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a solid point. I, I know a lot of people like to watch The Flash and Supergirl with their family and with their kids. So it's nice to have shows on, on the air that allow, you know give parents that opportunity to do that. Um, so were you technically a fan of Supergirl before you got the opportunity to write the book? Or uh, did you start watching Supergirl after you uh, were, were offered this chance to do it? Where, where, did, where did it come in? Were you a fan before you started writing? Yeah, you know, I'll be honest. I'd only seen a couple episodes when I was asked to write the books because I, kind of, I watched a couple episodes of Supergirl and then I discovered Orphan Black. And that kind of derailed me because then <laughs> sure. I got sucked into Orphan Black and I was in that world. And so, yeah, I, I, I'd seen a couple. I, so I knew of Supergirl. And I'd, and, and, you know, I would watch the crossover episode when, you know, she and, and Barry Allen, you know, Barry Allen ends up in on Earth 38. I hope I'm not spoiling that for anybody. But. No, no, we, <laughs> we, we've talked about that at length. So you can, you can spoil that at any, any extent that you want. Okay. So, yeah. So, and then, so the exciting thing was like, oh my God, there's Barry Allen. So, and my husband uh, watches like, and he was the one that actually got me into the Arrowverse show. So he would watch those things and I would kind of you know, as I was walking past the room or cooking dinner, I would kind of watch in the background, but I didn't super get into the show, of course, until they asked me to write. And I was like, I would love to do something with the Arrowverse. In watching Supergirl, do you have uh, a favorite moment or a favorite episode that really sticks out to you that uh, in some ways maybe defines the character of Supergirl or defines what the show is? I know that's kind of a big question, but do you do you have a like a favorite moment that sticks out to you? It is, and it's one of the reasons my personal ship choice is not as popular because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, a Kara and James shipper. Okay. Yeah. So, but it's, and I blame Blake Neely for the fact that this moment was so wonderful for me. But at the very beginning um, of the show itself, when she goes into James's office to get you know the the photo edits or something with Prince and he, she's talking to him and it's just kind of, you can tell that, you know, she's interested in him and she's a little bit nervous and shy around him. So you get to see that awkward Kara with the, you know, she has a cute chuckle that she does <laughs> and you get to kind of see how James Olsen is going to work into her life is that he's kind of going to be watching out for her. And then you also get that first introduction to Superman. I mean, you, it, other than when at the very beginning, when he opens her, her pod, but you get that picture of him and, you know, the one that wants Pulitzer and, and then just the music in the background. It's such a wonderful moment, that one. And then when she reveals to win for the first time that she's Supergirl, when she kind of topples backwards off the building and jumps into the air. And that's such like that music is just so wonderful for that scene. Yeah. The pilot is really outstanding actually. And uh, some of, some of my favorite moments and memories of the show are from the pilot as well because I, I love the moment when Kara realizes she's got to save her sister from the plane and she runs down that alley and has to fly up yes. and save her. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. Some of, some of the moments they they really did a great job uh, with that pilot of uh, establishing the characters in the world. Like you were talking about when when you write a good story, you have to you have to do that. You have to make people want to come back and watch the show week to week. And so I think the the pilot does a really Great job of that. And I, I am friendly to all ships. I have no preference. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the only thing that we, when we talk about Carr and James on Supergirl Radio, we're, we're just always mystified that they uh, they got rid of it so quickly and so abruptly. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah. we, we, don't want, we don't really have any negative feelings toward that. We, we just always are, are wondering why that happened. And I was a little sad, too. I was like, oh, they were... I. I thought they were so cute together. And, but I know that a lot of people are like, good, it was so awkward. It's like, no, it was adorable. It, it was awkward, but it was awkward on purpose because she was just, you know, she was so enamored by him that she was trying to find her way. And then, of course, you know, Lucy Lane is like this beautiful, commanding presence. And so she feels a little bit intimidated by that. And I thought it was awesome because you got to see this really human side of Kara, even though technically she's an alien. <laughs> true, true. And she she is super powered, but she is vulnerable in her emotions and her feelings. And Exactly. Um, I, I, I think that's what makes Kara so relatable to me is that even though she has all these awesome abilities, she can have her heart broken just like me. And so I really, I really like when they get to showcase that. Um, but it, as far as ships for me personally go, I, I always say that I, I ship Kara and happiness. 
So whoever she's oh, I love that. so so whoever she's <laughs> with, I just want her to be happy uh, because that's because yes. Kara is my is my favorite character, and so I I just want good things for her. So no matter who she's with, Aww. that's that's who yeah. I that's who I, I love for. that. <laughs> yeah. So I can I can never lose with that ship. Uh, so uh, yeah, well that's cool. That's cool. Um, all right, so let's let's talk a little bit about Supergirl: Age of Atlantis. Um, I don't, I don't want to spoil anybody who's listening to this who hasn't read the book yet. Uh, without spoiling anything, can you give us a little bit of a description of what the book is about and what you were trying to achieve with it? Yeah, so it's um, it's a it's a chance basically for people to live that dream of having superpowers and protecting their city because. And I don't. I can't speak for everybody out there, but I know every time I watch a superhero movie or a show with kick-ass characters, I wish I was more like that. I wish, you know, that I had the, the power to fly or that I could, you know, do an awesome roundhouse, something like that. So it's kind of, you get to see these average, you know, everyday people get superpowers and, and get to do awesome things with them. And um, we also get to see a little more of Kara's human side with her being a journalist. So the book is has a lot of focus on that as well. And can I say, just on behalf of Supergirl Radio, that I really appreciated you using more of Kara and her reporter stuff, uh, because I think that, to be quite honest, the show has been missing that a lot lately. Oh, thanks. And uh, so it was nice to to get to, you know, to read a story where Kara is actually doing reporter things. And we at Supergirl Radio love the character of Snapper Carr, we uh, we did a whole episode about his comic book origins, which if you don't know about them, they are crazy. Um, he's he's probably he's one of my favorite comic book characters in the history of DC Comics because his, his <laughs> he goes he goes from Justice League sidekick to Justice League traitor to uh, super powered. Uh, leader of this group where he snaps his fingers and he can teleport himself somewhere. He's like the most bonkers character you will ever read about. So I was really, I was really, really happy that Snapper Carr got a lot of time in Supergirl Age of Atlantis. Is that what people mean when they talk about Snapper snapping? Oh, yes. Like they wanted to see Snapper snap. And I was like, because the only exposure I've had to Snapper Car before Supergirl was um, in the, on the DC, uh, Justice League stuff and where they have, you know, he's, he's as a reporter. Yes. And he was just kind of like your average reporter. And so I was like, I never see him snap. I like go, like, go crazy or stab somebody. Cause I don't want to put that in the book. <laughs> no, he is. <laughs> he has his nickname because he was created after a, a, a character on a, a TV show called 77 sunset strip back in the day, who would snap his fingers and say things like daddy-o. Oh, okay. So he, he was really popular with the kids of the day. And so the, the folks at DC Comics wanted to put a character like that in in the uh, the comic book issues. And so they created Snapper Car. And so he would snap because the, the character on 77 Sunset Strip, Kooky, would snap. Ah. So that was his thing in the comics is that he would he would snap, you know, you would you would see the panels and it would actually have, you know, snap written as, as a as like an action uh, on the uh, panels and later on in his history he <laughs> he uh, was given superpowered abilities sort of like in Supergirl Age of Atlantis where the citizens of National City uh, might get superpowers. Uh, he his ability was that when he would snap, he would be able to transport himself somewhere. Oh, cool! So, yeah, uh, we <laughs> we we always uh, we always uh, are campaigning for a Snapper on Supergirl to do some snapping <laughs> because that is the essence of his character. Um, so I, I was really happy. Uh, so thank you for putting a lot of Snapper Car oh, in the book. <laughs> that was uh, it was a nice change of pace to get to see Car do some reporting and and to uh, to read her interactions with Snapper and how how kind of. Uh, he he sort of uh, reluctantly respects her, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So that, w- that was really, really fun to read about. And uh, I also want to commend you for the way the action is written in Supergirl Age of Atlantis. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but towards the end of the book, there's a lot of action. And I just, I was reading yeah. it. <laughs> I was reading it thinking this would make a really good season finale. Um, so is, is there anything that uh, when you were writing the book, did you... Uh, could you see that playing out? I guess the question is, how do you write action? What's your approach to that? 
Yeah. So I do, I close my eyes a lot of times or I'll stare at like a, a blank white wall and I'll actually picture the scenes as episodes of the show. And so I can actually, that way I can hear what the actors are saying and I can watch their movements and I can tell if something feels off to me. Like, I'm like, no, he wouldn't say it exactly like this. He would say it like this instead, or he wouldn't, he wouldn't, she wouldn't move this way. She would do this. So I play it out. And then uh, for book one, I threw myself around a lot when I was doing the fight scene. So I would, you know, take pretend punches and try and do, uh, you remember the scene and I won't do a big spoiler with this thing, but um, when Alex is, is fighting their aquatic visitor and she, and he kind of grabs her foot and then she manages to kick back with the other one and then he flips her. And so I acted, I, I kind of acted that out for myself to make, to, to make sure it could actually happen that someone could actually do something like that. I don't know about you, but when I was reading it, I could actually hear the actors' voices in my head. I know. Uh, me people, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know a lot of people say that when they read comics, uh, but especially with your book, I, I think you captured the the voices of the characters so well that I, I could sort of seeing it playing out in my head like a like an episode of the TV show. Oh, thank you so much. When you were writing this book and diving into the world of Supergirl and the CW verse. Were there things about DC Comics or any of the lore or any of the mythology of the characters that that you learned when you were trying to uh, acclimate yourself to that world? I want to say yes and give examples, but it'll it'll uh, well, you know, what? I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway, so that way people <laughs> will get a little insight of, to what happens in the book. So, um, in that book, I mention a physician a lot that that you know that kind of helps heal them and, and stuff. And so at first, the physician didn't have a name. So I was like, oh, the physician said, you know, the physician helped them do this. And so one of my editors was like, you know, it'd be really nice if this poor physician had a name because she's involved with all, you know, she's taking care of all of these things and we're not giving her recognition for it. And I was like, okay, 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 I'll find the physician a name. And so I started looking through DC lore, you know, DC.wikia, as you do. And I was like, okay, what kind of doctors? And, you know, looking for all these doctors. And I found one. Um, a Japanese woman that she was actually an astronomer and she was also a physician and she happened to actually take care of Kara and Monel in the comics at different points. And, oh, and that was Dr. Hoshi, of course, and who, AKA um, Dr. Light. And I was like, Oh my God, this woman is perfect. Yes. Because that way I can use her. If I want to, I can use her in future books to do stuff too. So that I, I never knew about her before that point. And because when you watch the, have you ever seen the Justice League Unlimited? Oh, Justice League Unlimited, the animated series? Yeah, the animated. Oh, yeah, it's one of, one of my favorite all-time shows. It's so great. Okay, so if you ever see, I don't know if you've ever seen Dr. Light on that, but she's kind of like background cameo person flying <laughs> through sky, Yeah, right? Like, she maybe will get one or two lines in one of the episodes. So I was, and that, so I'd seen her when that, my husband and I were going through all the DC canon stuff and watching everything and so i'd see her in the background and she you know didn't register with me so after i i wrote this i went back and watched some of that stuff and i was like oh you know, this is perfect because she has powers that i can use for good for other things later yeah that's awesome i i didn't know that she interacted with uh supergirl and monel in the comics that's really cool to know i might have to search and, and find those stories so in in terms of writing the story and the characters did you pitch a story about uh, Supergirl having connections to Atlantis or was, was that something that was suggested to you? How did, how did that work when you were uh, first approached about uh, writing the book? Yeah. So it was, of course I had to pitch three ideas for, you know, for, for the series and in, on my own, I'd been working on a superhero book, you know, but it just through the years it hadn't gone anywhere because uh, superheroes kind of flooded the market, saturated the market. And so my agent was like, you know, there's a lot of superhero stuff out there. Let's work on something else. But I had a story and it involved Orichalcum. And I'd done research on it way back when about it being involved with Atlantis. So it just happened to be kind of coincidental that Atlantis is where, you know, Aquaman and Joe and other people are from. So I was able to take the story that I'd worked on 
and kind of tweak it a little bit and bring it into the Supergirl world. I, I really like the idea that Supergirl has connections to Atlantis, and I appreciate it in the book that she, at one point, is able to communicate in the, I guess, the Atlantean <laughs> language. Um, I, I thought that that was really neat, because uh, one, of, one of my dreams for the show, and I think they did a little bit of that in Season 3, where Supergirl swims underwater. I always thought that that would be a cool thing to show Supergirl do because we see her fly all the time but seeing her underwater uh, and and using her super speed or or her abilities underwater would be really cool and so with Age of Atlantis it was neat to see her talking about Atlantis and engaging with with a with a, a friend that she meets who might have connections to Atlantis so um, I thought that that was something that the show hadn't quite gotten a chance to explore and so I I thought it was really cool that you uh, took took advantage of the medium um, because I, you you probably can speak to this a little more, but you can you can do more things in in a book than you probably could on a show that has a you know a TV show that has a budget. Did you find that to be the case? I did, and even so, like um, with book two that I had what I, that I turned in a couple months ago, because you you can add all these fantastical elements and like even at the end of book one, you know, when you're talking about the big fight scene, that kind of thing, that would have cost, I mean, they saved that for crossover episodes, you know, <laughs> true, <laughs> because true. that kind of, all the kind of special effects that would be required for that would cost a ton of money. Oh, yeah. If uh, people were shape-shifting or doing something like that uh, or, you know, destruction, you can you can write all kinds of crazy things into a into a story that, um, you know, I think that's the advantage of books and maybe even animated TV shows and movies. You can kind of get away with that a little more. So I, I appreciated that you, you try to uh, do some things that, the sh- that I hadn't seen the show do. Um, so I thought that that was, was really cool. Um, in, in terms of writing the book, did you, did you find that you had any kryptonite, uh, with, with writing it? Did you have, uh, uh, some, some things that you ran into in terms of trying to write the Supergirl character? Were there, were there any roadblocks to, to anything? For me, it's in general, one of my writing kryptonites is chapter endings because you always want to, cause, and I'm also in my mind picturing it as a commercial break too, so I'm kind of thinking, okay, how would this be a good chapter ending? And I need to, you know, make sure I'm writing, ending on a good note. And so I can spend hours trying to come up with just the perfect ending line or ending action or ending reaction. And then also, I mean, the show has a, has a huge following. So it's kind of like there's all these expect, expectations or hopes for what's going to happen with a book. And so you have to, you, you keep that in mind, you know, all these people want different things. You can't meet what everybody wants and you also can't, you know, sacrifice and compromise your vision of what's going to happen just to appease everyone because you're, you won't end up with anything good if you're trying to make everybody happy. But one of the things that's important is that Kara slash Supergirl have character growth. And unfortunately, in order to have a character grow, you have to admit that they have some sort of area of opportunity, like some sort of weakness or flaw. And for people that see Supergirl or Kara as perfect, that's kind of hard for them to swallow that, okay, she would have this insecurity or she has this issue. And so you have to handle that very lightly because you don't want people to be, to think that you're, you know, dogging their favorite character, but you also have to say, no, listen, she, like I said, you know, like I said, she is quote unquote human. And so she is going to go through growing pains as she's as she's trying to become a, a better superhero and as she's trying to become a better person. Yeah, I, what I found refreshing in the in the book, and and they do it a little bit on the show too. But uh, one one of Kara's flaws is 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 the reporter stuff. She is not uh, maybe the best reporter in the world. Yeah, maybe she doesn't have a great relationship with her boss. But again, I think that's something that's pretty relatable that sometimes you work at a job where you're either not as good as you would want to be you want to be better or you don't like your boss um i think that that stuff is 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 something that i think most people can connect with but i think you make a good point that you know to have character growth to have development they need to go through something and i think you did a a wonderful job of that in the book because um, I, you know, Kara learns something about herself at the end and, and learns more about interacting with other people. And I thought of all of that was really sweet because that's something that, you know, we all have to deal with, you know, how to put up with a, uh, a bad boss or how to put up with, uh, difficult people. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, that's, that's something that 
uh, that we can we can all learn from, and, and nobody's perfect, not even Supergirl. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that that's one of the reasons I love Supergirl is because she's not perfect. She's brash and impetuous, um, and that's just that's the way her character has been for for so long. And I thought one of the the great scenes in the book, and um, this is not too much of a spoiler, but. Uh, one of the one of the things I really liked was when Carr and Alex are talking about how uh, Carr wants to be better at insulting Snapper. Like she wants to have a good com- yeah. she wants to have a good comeback with him. And um, right uh, the the way the way you wrote that scene was great because uh, again I could hear I could hear Melissa Benoist in my head when when she says uh, uh, he was pretty embarrassed. Like I could hear Melissa yeah. Benoist in my head and, uh, just, just the way that they, um, you know, the sisters were interacting and the, the fact that Kara had, had some real trouble insulting somebody, but that was right. some, that, but that was something that she kind of struggled with in, in the story. And so I really appreciate that you, you tried to ground her in a, a real place. Well, thanks. And in terms of characters in the story, you got to use, everybody pretty much from the show all the main cast members i did and yeah. uh which made it feel like a like a more well-rounded story were there any characters that you really found yourself liking and, and wanting to use more aside from supergirl um win i love win he's just i adore him because i love humor and he adds just the right amount of levity to to tense situations and then alex is you know, aside from Kara, she's one of my favorite people because she's an awesome fighter and, you know, even without having powers. And she's relatable because, you know, again, she doesn't have powers. So she's just your average girl. And then I like Jean a lot because he's he's gruff, you know, but he is that papa bear and he's so lovable and he he wants to do the best thing by these girls. Oh, for sure. And uh, I, I like the way that you use the characters in the book, uh, even with Jean, like he's, he is a little gruff, but you, you, <laughs> I can see now uh, your, your love for humor books and, and for that kind of genre that you, you put Jean in some situations where I think some of that comes out, uh, which, which made for some good reading. Um, I know, I know uh, when I when I've talked to we we've talked to uh, Sterling Gates before, and he, and he wrote a show tie-in comic book series called Adventures of Supergirl. Yeah, yeah, Sterling is awesome. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's 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 one of our faves on Supergirl Radio. Um, he talked to us a little bit about some of the the challenges of writing a TV show adaptation. Did you did you find that there were things that you uh, had to stick with, or did they give you some freedom with some of that kind of stuff? What What was it like having to jump into this universe and 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 did, were you were you having to play by any rules? Oh yeah, of course. Um, well, one of the things I tried to do is I I tried to put in a big belly burger. <laughs> I wanted to play cause, because you know it's on the Arrowverse. They have it in Star City and the other cities, and I was like, I'm going to put a big belly burger, you know, in National City. So I put that in. And, you know, I got the edits back. It's like, please don't put in a big belly burger. We haven't introduced that yet. I was like, dang. Oh. <laughs> Couldn't get away with it. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it pretty like for things to watch out for, I had to, of course, one of the ground rules was that I couldn't alter or make drastic changes to any relationships between the characters that would um, conflict with what the show is doing. So I couldn't break people up and I couldn't put people together that would not, you know, that would affect what the show, what the show would be running. So, and I, and I didn't mind doing that. I didn't mind playing by those rules, but yeah, there was some stuff where I was very, very cautious to enter into territory because, and unfortunately people noticed Lena Luther was not in book one because I wasn't sure exactly who she was going to be on the show at the time. You know, I wasn't, is she going to be good? Is she going to be bad? So I, and I didn't know if she was going to be a lasting character on the show so I was very cautious about, I, I decided not to put her in book one. Luckily for, you know, fans out there, she is in book two. But I was conscious that, yeah, I didn't put her in book one because I was like, I don't know if this character is going to stay. I'm going to play it safe and not put her in. And then if she is sticking around, then I'll put her in, in the future books. Yeah, I, I did notice that, you know, Cara and Monel are together in this book. So fans of that pairing will enjoy that. Uh, Maggie and Alex yeah. are still together uh, in, in this story. Um, yeah, so I, I think that that's... That that makes a lot of sense. Um, I was curious because some of these 
uh, I, I was wondering about the details of some of the descriptions of locations. Uh, probably nobody else is going to care about this but me. But uh, I was wondering if you got to play around with these kind of things where, uh, so it talks about Snapper's desk being on the 20th floor of the Catco building and Catco being just a few blocks away from City Hall. Um, were, were those things that you uh, were uh, told about or was that something that you were able to come up with on your own? Because I, I don't know if I... I guess what I'm saying is when I was watching the show, I didn't know those things. Like I'd never counted how many floors up Catco uh, Snapper's desk was at Catco. So uh, it, it, for me, it gave me a more, you know, a bigger sense of uh, the world of national city. So, so were those things could you play with, or were you able to get uh, people from the show to help consult you on, on the universe and, and how things happen in national city? Yeah, actually, um, I if you watch the episodes ad nauseum, like I did, where your husband is like, you watch that show way too much. <laughs> um, they actually do say the floor that they're on. Oh. There's an episode um, where Cat uh, Grant is trying to, and it's in the first season, I believe, where Cat Grant is telling Kara to go for help, and she's like, "Security is twenty floors down, go." And you know, she's like, "I can't right. leave you here," and she's like, twenty floors down." And so I was like, "Okay, I'm still on the twentieth floor. Got it." And then Snapper's desk, um, his, he kind of is in, he, he doesn't, I guess his office is a little bit weird because when you watch the show, if you go back and watch season two, you'll notice that he kind of has an office, but not really. So people can pass through in front of it, you know, and so it's kind of like, it's kind of a, more of an open office, I guess. So I, I, I aired on the side of safety and said he has an office because his, you know, his cube area would be considered an office well i think he should have an office snapper car is such an awesome character that, that he should have an office <laughs> uh so okay that's cool i yeah i'd forgotten about that with uh the reference in, uh from cat about the the floors um, because we have a lot of questions on the podcast about exactly what catco is you know it's a it's a magazine it's a newspaper it's a radio station a tv news station like it's all these things um, so I, I, I'm, I'm always trying to get more information about what they do and how that works. Cause I, I guess it's a, yeah. a big a worldwide, it's a worldwide media company. So I, I guess it does all of those things. Right. And, and they do, um, Warner brothers does do fact check. If I, if I, for instance, um, for book one, I would refer to guardian as the guardian. And they said, it's just guardian. They said, it's like share. Guardian. And I was like, okay, sorry. You know, I'll I'll remember forever, you know, for us the time. And then when I was working on book two, um, I had put a a height description of where um, Carr's apartment was. And they said, it's not actually that high up. So I don't know if you want to make it bigger than that. We've never actually said exactly which floor it's on, but it's definitely not as high up as you're imagining. And so I kind of had to work with that. So they do they do um, have someone that reads over and fact checks and makes sure that I'm not, you know, saying something that goes against the show. That's a really cool job. Whoever has that job has a really cool yeah. job to, to, to have to be knowledgeable about that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I learned a lot about the city of National City um, from reading your book and, and the way it was described. Uh, it really helped me uh, visualize that in my head. Um, because sometimes when you're watching the show, it goes by so quickly, those mentions go by so quickly that you don't get a chance to, to really dwell on them. Right. You miss all the little details. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and I was, uh, this, this is such a, a, this is like a personal thing for me because I, uh, I know nobody else might uh, catch this, but I wanted to know if this was an Easter egg uh, to Man of Steel. Um, James uh, mentions wintergreen breath mints in Alex's jacket pocket. Uh, I I love Man of Steel, and uh, it's one of my favorite Superman stories. And so that happens in the movie Man of Steel, where Superman uh, sort of sees into Emil Hamilton's uh, jacket pocket. I did not even know that. That is awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I guess it was an unintentional Easter egg. <laughs> I wish I could say that was an Easter egg. That was not one of them. Yeah. I did. I did put a lot of Easter eggs in, but 
That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's de- it is definitely uh, both wintergreen breast mints. Uh, so I, I I thought it was intentional, but I think it's kind of cool that, that no, you just happen so to cool. <laughs> happen to do the same thing. And I, I thought some of the other um, little Easter eggs you put in were a lot of fun. There's a reference to the Legion of Doom, um, I, and I was surprised to see a, uh, a, a journalistic reporter uh, from Gotham City mentioned. Yeah, in, in the yep. book, I, I I won't give that away. Um, but you'll when you read it, you will see it. Uh, that was very exciting for me because it's a character that. Uh, I don't read enough uh, issues uh, about this this person. Uh, I probably should because right. because I think uh, I think she uh, well, I, I guess I can say she's a pretty cool character. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I thought that that kind of stuff was was awesome because it, it builds out the world a little more, and it's something um, they they've sort of teased Gotham City a little bit on the show. Uh, but what 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 was uh, most exciting to you to be able to write the book? Were you wanting to dive more into that that comic book mythology, or were you wanting to just uh, use it to flesh out Kara's world? Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to flesh out her world and also give people little fun little snippets of the rest of the DC universe, you know. And so that's why, you know there's a, a wonder twins mention in there. It's like, ah, ah, you know, <laughs> so for, for, so for people. And as you said, that reporter from Gotham and I was like, so stoked when they let me get away with that. I was like, Oh really? I get to do that. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was, I, it was more to give to, to flesh out her world, but also because I knew that every time, you know, I mean, when with season three of, of the show, when they're talking about the Legion or the not Legion of doom, I was going to say Legion of doom, um, the Legion of superheroes. And, you know, so many people are excited about that. And then even at the beginning of the show, when um, they showed just the Legion flight ring and people, you know, lost their minds. And any time mentions any like, you know, the the, the people with um, the guy who wears a mask from another city, everyone, anytime (laughs) there's a reference to anything else DC related, people lose their minds. And I love that because it's so fun because they they. The, it, it makes it tie the whole universe together, the whole DC universe together. It makes it feel kind of like even if people are on separate Earths, it's still one big family. So what what about uh, the, the Supergirl TV series gets you excited about the show and gets you excited about the the characters of DC Comics? What, what, what makes you geek out about the show? Honestly, whenever they introduce new people that exist in the DC world, and then I get to, because <clears throat> it's another opportunity for me to 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 get it to experience a, a, a fleshed out, you know, human rendition of whatever a new character might be that I, I've only read about or, you know, seen in cartoon form, but I actually get to see, you know, the person or um, like this season they had um, on um, the justice league show on justice league, the animated series, they have, you know, Carl Lumley, yeah. the voice of Martian. And they had him on the show, and I was like, oh, my God, you know, so <laughs> I know him. I watch him on the TV. So it was, it's that kind of those exciting cameos, you know, and I, I enjoy that thoroughly. And I love Cara and Alex together. I love watching them interact because the, and in real life, they're, I mean, both in their, their relationship is so sisterly, you know, and it's so loving. And I mean, I have a sister too. So I, I love that relationship. And so Midvale, I really love that episode because I do like the idea of when you're, you know, when things are going wrong, you can always go home and home kind of fixes things. Yeah. And that's cool for a character like Kara, who her, her home where she came from is no longer, but she's, she's found a home on earth right? with the Danvers. Uh, and that's a, that's a really nice thought that, um, even if you have a, a tragic past, you can, you can start over. Um, well, I, before we wrap up, uh, I, I was just, uh, wanting to, to know what, what you hope, uh, so if, if our listeners go out and buy the, the book, what, what do you hope they get out of it? What, it what, what do you hope that they get out of reading about Supergirl and her adventures in this, in this book? I hope they get the desire to read book two. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no seriously, I hope they get, um, I, God, I hope they, they get so much joy and happiness from spending time with their favorite characters because, you know, the show is so awesome, but it airs, you know, just once a week and, you know, it takes season breaks. And this way they get longer, they get kind of like an extended episode and they can, they, they can kind of get something to fill in that gap when they're waiting for the show to come back on. So, and for those, for people that are picking the book up um, for the first time without having seen the show, I hope 
reading about the characters will make them want to check out the show too. Yeah, I think it gives a, a good uh, a good example of what the show is like so that if people do want to jump in, I think they can. And uh, I, I think it would be a, a good Christmas present uh, if anybody wants to get something for uh, a loved one over the holidays. Uh, maybe you should pick it up. Um, but I think that's going to do it for uh, th- this chat about Supergirl. And uh, I, th- I just want to thank you, Joe, for, for coming on and, and speaking with me about your book and about your writing and and what we love about Supergirl. It's always nice to, to know another Supergirl fan and get to talk to somebody. Um, <laughs> and so it's nice to hear that, that you're, um, you, you've come from the Supergirl sticker book to actually writing your own Supergirl book. I think that's really, really cool. Um, where, where can our listeners, uh, find you on the internet if they want to, uh, get in touch with you or, or learn more about you? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter. Um, it's just at Joe Whittemore and I'm also on Instagram. Same thing, Joe Whittemore. And I also have a website, www.joewittemore.com. All right. And are there any other books you, you mentioned the, the second book? Uh, in the series, are there any other books that you you want our listeners to know about? Yeah, um, actually, in in March, I have a book coming out for Girls Who Code, and it's part of a middle grade series, and it's about this uh, group of girls, and it's it's you know, Girls Who Code is really big into STEM um, or STEAM as it's starting to be called, but uh, the book is going to be called Lights Music Code, and you get to learn a little bit of coding information. And it kind of helps uh, raise awareness for kids about how much you can do with code and how fun it can be. All right. Well, um, well, if you would like to contact uh, Supergirl Radio and keep up with us, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio. We have a playlist on Spotify, so if you want to go check out any, any of the music from the show or music about Supergirl, you can find it there. And we are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. We're on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you got some time and want to give us a Christmas present over the, the winter break, you can go over to iTunes and Stitcher and write us a review there. And we are a part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, classic DC TV shows, and the upcoming Black Lightning, Krypton, and Titan shows, you can subscribe to DC TV Podcasts on iTunes and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. And uh, I am also on Twitter. I'm still on my hi- my uh, Twitter hiatus, my uh, Twitter sabbatical, however you want to uh, phrase it. I'm taking a break from Twitter, but I'll still reply. If uh, you at me, you can find me at Derby Kid and on Instagram at the Derby Kid. And you can check out videos of mine over at youtube.com slash ducknilkprod. Well, until next year, I'm still Rebecca Johnson, and I highly recommend reading Supergirl Age of Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs>